0: Live at the Consumer Electronics Show in Sin City. It's the world's most popular podcast with Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth, featuring musical guest DJ Bobo. Las Vegas Convention Center, here's Alan Cross and Michael Hainsworth.
1: You have way too much time on your hands if you can actually pull something like that off for an intro. Wait, you didn't like the intro? No, the intro's fine. I'm just wondering where you get the time for this kind of stuff. Well, we were
2: up quite late here in City City. we were. We were out quite late as well, thanks in part to Chef Mike Benninger, who's the official co-producer of the big show, because he opened his wallet and bought us dinner at Delmonico's. Yes. (laughs) It didn't cover the bill, though. Let's. Oh, no, no. (laughs) No, no. No, but it it got pretty close. And then you started getting into the booze. I did. You did. I had one martini. I one had martini. an aperitif and a glass of wine with my rack of lamb. <laughs> right. And it came to $3,000. <laughs> uh,
3: so
2: we also want to say, because uh, the, the drinks were paid for, in part by uh, da- Greg David, Alex Pacheco, uh, David Scott, and Andrew Stokely as well. Stokely, who is a perennial favorite on the big show, because he always opens his wallet for CES, did so again this year.
1: Yes, he did. Thank you very much. The drinks were delicious. Yeah.
2: Now, there's a lot that we're going to get to over the course of the next hour or so, live from the convention center floor here. A swanky location, too, eh?
1: Um, We could have been stuck (laughs)
2: in... It could have been a lot worse. So we want to say thank you to the folks at CES uh, for uh, making it possible for us to be here live uh, as well. We're going to... um, Discover a 21st century way for uh, new mothers to breastfeed. Oh yeah, what do you see this? We are going to uh, take a trip, um, and it's actually quite a trip to what was this, I was describing as the Apple store of weed.
1: Yeah, if this is what we're going to be getting in Canada, um, prepare yourself. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And I was not expecting this at all. So, we're going to show that to you as well.
2: Uh, and then there was this big controversy last year with Foldmate, that oh. laundry robot you that almost your lunch.
1: single-handedly ruined this company.
2: I almost single-handedly did ruin this company. So they promised last year that the mock-up they did would be fully functional in 2019. So we checked it out to find out if, in fact, they made good on their promise. We'll tell you what happened there. Uh, and then uh, you and I—you
1: kicked my ass in pinball. By a lot. A whole (laughs) lot. One point, what is it, six million points? Six million
2: points. No, I think one it was point, 1.3, million 1.3
1: million versus million. my 300,000. No, no, no. The gap. I had 1.6 million. You had 300,000. So I beat you by 1.3 oh, million. Oh, that was the Delta.
2: Okay. All right. So we're going to show you a modern day 21st century pinball machine as well.
1: But right out of the gate, there was one thing you really wanted to check out. Yes. Uh, BMW is here. This is a car show. I mean, they call it, you know, consumer electronics show or CES, whatever. It's a car show. There are so many. Uh, automobile manufacturers here, um, even companies that you've never heard of, like Miten, uh, for example, which is a company based out of China, they are going to do all-electric cars. They were founded by a couple of executives from Infinity and uh, Lexus. They've uh, almost finished their um, uh, factory in China and it's going to crank out 300,000 cars a year. So, Anyway, BMW is here yep. and not only are they here with their new X7, which is their new SUV, which yep. is pretty cool, to a driving drive that, uh, they're here with a self-driving motorcycle, which was really creepy. Yep. This thing was doing basically slow donuts on its own. It like, was, it was, like it was would, being ridden by, by a ghost.
2: Yeah, either that or it was like all of those YouTube videos you've seen where the guy loses control yeah. of his motorcycle, but it keeps
1: going. Yeah. So, And they had a new vehicle there called the iNext. Now, this is a very, very... Conceptual vehicle. When you look at it, it it'll kind of remind you of that episode where Homer got to design his own car. You'll see what I mean when you look I, yeah. at the back seats. Anyway, but in the meantime, but the sorry. tech is really cool. Yeah, really, really cool. And this will give you an idea of where we're going with not only electric power cars but autonomous cars.
2: Now, before we do, of course, because we're on the Facebook Live, uh, this is an interactive conversation here. And so um, I'm a little concerned. I don't know what this quite means, but uh, apparently Craig gave us a womp womp, and Amy Ellen is asking, did you just womp womp Michael and Alan?" And then she gives an LOL. Is there something there I'm missing? I, I don't think so. What is a womp womp, and why ought we to be amused or not? I don't know what that's about. Why do you have a different feed than me? Is it your feed? Oh. Oh, it's the Geeks and Beats feed. Yeah, it's the Geeks and Okay, and I'm Beats looking feed. at mine. Right, so okay, mind. I'm looking at the, the comments response here. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, Eminem Benninger, hello as well. Thank you for the woo-woo. We got a shout-out uh, from Waterloo, Ontario as well. Thank you very much for joining us from Waterloo. If you could share this with all of your friends, like literally call up your dying grandparents and beg them to watch this, because our ego solely depends on the success of this podcast episode. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, fire us off a couple of notes. Uh, oh, no scotch for Alan, Benninger asks? I,
1: I, uh, no, I had uh, some Japanese whiskey in that uh, cocktail that Apertino I had last night. Oh, that's what that was. Yeah. It's all Greek to me. And I
2: see you in your dirty martini. Yeah, exactly. All right, so, BMW. This is all about um, what we're going to be doing in the car of the future when we don't have to worry about driving
1: it. So we're looking at the latest BMW concept vehicle, which is called the iNext. It is
4: an autonomous electric vehicle, is that what we're looking at? It also introduces electrification, yes, and autonomous driving features. Uh, we're currently looking at level 3 to level 5 at some point of what, time. D-
1: what does that mean actually?
4: That means kind of, you know, you have five different levels of autonomous driving from level 1 to level 5, which means level 1 is uh, a type of assisted driving. Where systems help you to drive uh, for a certain amount of time, and level five is a fully autonomous um, situation where you basically take the hands and your brain off the driving. You can, as a matter of fact, sleep with a level five.
1: (laughs) So this is a level five. This will be at some point. At some
4: point. Okay, take us through some of the features that this vehicle has. Okay, so um, uh, overall, I think uh, it's fair to say that we um, um, that our goal was to create a uh, a combination of a very livable, uh, very natural, very human-centric interior which does not celebrate technology in the foreground. So, when you see uh, the interior, you're kind of you missing switches and buttons. You don't see any um, technology that is in your face. However, the features that you're asking about are embedded into the materials and into the surfaces of the car. So, for example, the interface that is currently provided in BMWs through an iDrive controller or through buttons and switches is embedded in either a wooden center console or embedded into the Jakar fabric on the rear seat of the car. So you basically have a number of touch sensitive interfaces that can react to the touch of your finger or the touch of your hand, activate music playlists or other features of the car.
1: Okay, these are obviously proof of concept because we are looking at a prototype. When would we see these things filter down to drivable BMW vehicles? Uh, And would they start with the 7 Series and the 5 Series and move down to the 3s and 1s,
4: or how would it work? No, I think important with this is, this is a product of the BMW i brand. And BMW i always stood for transformation, innovation and inspiration. So, it's something that has to trickle from the BMW i brand into some of the other BMW AG cars. So, for the first time, this is the concept car. It will be seen in the iNext, which comes out 2021, so in two years from now.
2: So okay. When we look at these vehicles, and they are self-driving, we will have a lot more time on our hands. Yes. So what is it that you've looked at that tells us, what is it that, that ultimately we'll be doing behind
1: the wheel of a vehicle when we don't need to have our hands on the wheel of the vehicle? And I would like to in- interject that I work for radio, okay. and radio's audience is largely in the car. So, and it's only because radio is something you can do while driving. Mm-hmm. You can't do anything else while you're driving. Listen to music, listen to the radio. Mm-hmm. What's gonna happen to
4: me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, I think uh, the first time you will appreciate uh, a fully autonomous driving car is when you sit in a hefty hefty, uh, traffic jam, for example, when driving really is not a pleasure anymore. And we still think that we will do more driving, potentially more autonomous driving. So we've asked ourselves uh, kind of what is the value we can add for those scenarios. And like you said, we've done research over the last three years and talked to many of our customers and also other people that are still depending on individual mobility and first of all what they want is they want an ideal space to be in. they want a very personal a private a comfortable space to be in they don't want to kind of mess around with interfaces all the time they actually want to lean back and read a book or read something on their personal device
2: so when we look at these screens are these touch screens or are they voice activated how will this work
4: Uh, The screen in the center is a touchscreen as well, Uh, but we also foresee that most of the interaction in this type of car will happen through speech. So when you drive autonomously, you talk to your car in a natural language uh, and it will recognize you as the driver, it will learn about you, about your preferences. But with uh, technology advancing so fast, we can also have microphones all over the interior so the system can also listen to passengers in the rear of the car as we have this already today with Amazon Alexa.
2: What is it about this passenger seat? The seat back looks very different from what we're accustomed to. Why is it like this?
4: Well, um, first of all, on the passenger side we have um, a backrest or a head restraint that can fold backwards. Um, This allows for example in autonomous mode or when a mother is sitting on the passenger side to kind of face backwards and have a very natural conversation with the passenger on the rear seat bench. So we feel that a car like this does not necessarily need uh, seats that kind of swivel 180 degrees but even small changes to the seats uh, architecture, for example, a bit more of a molded, uh, um, rounded seat contour allows you to take different flexible and more comfortable seating positions. Well, we can look at the passenger seat there and see how it molds right into the door. Yes, absolutely. So we've blended the seat uh, with the door panel um, and this gives you kind of a cozy corner. In addition to this, we're really, for the first time, also making Uh, hundred percent use of a flat floor. The electrification allows us to have a flat floor in these type of cars. So when you think about the rounded corner blending into the door panel, you can also put your legs more towards the center of the car. You sit very diagonally and uh, this actually is a very different uh, seating position from what you experience today.
2: I noticed that you've got the floor pedals, the, the foot pedals, embedded in the floor. This sort of harkens back to the idea that at some point level five autonomy will come and we're not going to need yeah. to push any buttons. Yeah.
4: Well, with an autonomous driving we found one thing and that is that um, the steering wheel is somewhat still in your way when you drive autonomously. So here we have two Uh, technology features. One is that the steering wheel retracts ever so slightly towards the dashboard, so it creates more visual space in front of the driver. You don't immediately touch the steering wheel when you kind of move around in your seat. What is even more important we found is the paddles in these cars, you know, you have brake paddle, you have gas paddle, and uh, you don't want to touch these type of paddles when you are in autonomous mode, so the best way is to retract them and make them flush with the the floor panel. So it's a lot like a golf cart.
1: I, I know that's, that's. Did you just tell BMW golf cart? No, 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 no. Like no. Golf cart? I, I didn't. I'm just saying no, that. No that but these are the. A golf cart is the easiest thing that you can drive. What is wrong with there's you? two. There's two pedals. No, I find it fascinating. And I, I don't see any, for example, uh, ignition key. Um, so, uh, w- will you have fingerprint recognition or driver recognition, voice recognition, how? The car will recognize you already
4: upon approach, uh, so you also... Upon approach? Yeah, as you can see, we don't have any traditional door handles on those doors, so uh, sensor technology allows us to kind of recognize the driver or a passenger, open the door, and obviously also start the car.
2: Okay. So you've got a combination of a variety of different technologies in play here. But tell me about the back seat, because the fabric on the back is touch sensitive. Why?
4: Yes, we feel uh, that we can encourage users of this car to develop new behaviors while interacting with technology. Uh, Similar to how the iPhone changed our behavior and how we access information uh, by touch on glass, we feel that um, kind of it doesn't always need a mechanical interface like a switch or a button, but maybe just a gesture. Those are things we are exploring already today. Speech on top of that will allow you to basically gesture with your hands, raise your voice, to activate a certain function of the car.
2: So maybe if the car asks me to do something and I don't want it to do that, I can just swipe left to right on the fabric.
4: Absolutely correct, yes, yeah. Right. And you can access music, like I said before. Uh, for, artists, for us, it is very important uh, to also uh, uh, notice the importance of the rear seat bench in cars. You know, BMW always has been very driver-centric. It was all about the person behind the wheel. Now we believe it is equally important uh, to take to to pay attention to the needs and desires of the people on the rear seat bench. So. You sold
2: this guy, no problem. He will buy an autonomous vehicle at some point that will give him the ability to not only drive, but also have the vehicle do the driving for him, right? Because
1: you still like to drive. I still like to drive a lot. I'm, I, if My next car might be an I8.
4: Okay, yes. Well, I think uh, the most important thing, and this is true for BMW, and we've heard this many times, why do your electric autonomous driving cars still have a steering wheel, and so on and so on. I believe the most important thing is that our customers want to be in control. Not necessarily only when they drive the car, but also when they are driven in the car. So control becomes a very important aspect to our environment. Each of the two, boost when you drive it yourself, ease when you are being driven, still give you the feeling that I'm in control, I can take over anytime I want, I can drive or I can let myself drive. So it's
2: easy to convince geeks like Alan and me to get behind the wheel or the lack of a wheel of a self-driving car. What's it going to take for a mother to put her infant child in a self-driving car?
4: I think not much. Uh, Like I said before, just a hefty traffic jam will do the job. Uh, A a fussy child in the rear seat, the mother can turn around, put the car into autonomous mode. It's very much an interior that encourages uh, natural conversation uh it is a quiet interior because of the electrification so you can take your eyes off the road at some point in time and this will convince her in no time i believe las vegas
1: two car i mean it'll, it'll never pop. Be on the road in that form? No, not but in you, that form. But you get the idea of what they're working on in the design studios. These cars take anywhere from 10, 7 to ten years to no. go from design to to road. So, um, but that gives you a flavor of what's what's happening. And what interested me was the recognition that we won't
2: be doing the physical driving anymore uh, that we'll be doing other things mm-hmm. but what we had discussed actually before we even started that interview was that things like turning the seats 180 degrees while we've seen that in some concept cars there's a big problem with that and that problem is safety yes. and all the regulations associated with it it's the more the regulatory concern than anything else
1: yeah I mean you have to think about uh, how the seats are um whoop. we're back we have to uh, um Think about how the seats are actually fastened to the floor. Yeah. Uh, what kind? Of, where are the airbags? Uh, are they side airbags, front airbags? Um, in the back, for example, you know, we uh, those those seats in the back are not going to be very comfortable at all. No. But the, the idea was to have a look at the fabric and how the fabric is actually the yeah. interface with the driver's passenger.
2: Now we have a surprise live guest who's going to be joining us in a matter of minutes. Now, I don't want to give too much away although we've already mentioned a couple of things on the Facebook page. Um, but you're going to be uh little, this fills your sex spot quote. It does actually. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. Uh but uh, oh by the way, um, on the the uh the Facebook machine, uh Shane points out that uh This isn't really David Hasselhoff and Kit when we talk about BMWs new toy.
1: No, not yet. But there is, you know, if you look around this hall, the number of uh, companies dealing with autonomous vehicles, autonomous navigation, and autonomous... software of all kinds. I mean, it's huge. Yep. Again, this is not a just a show. It's turned into a car show. It really has. Um, Crystal Brown John points out, sex
2: spots and touch fabric. Things are going to get weird. Really weird. You're going to want a black light when you have this car. Oh, okay. Yeah, so in the meantime, um, as we get ready to bring our special uh, surprise guest on, um, in somewhat related vein, although only tangentially, um, the 21st century breast pump has been unveiled here at CES 2019?
5: Basically, breast pumps haven't changed for hundreds of years. So the traditional breast pump on the market, it's noisy, it's clunky, you've got loads of wires. Women have to take time out of their day to use a breast pump. We've completely changed that. We've turned it on its head.
2: Hey, hang on, wait here. Women have to take time out of their day to use a breast pump. Are you saying that you would not with this?
5: No, so I can pump with this. I can pump as I'm speaking to you right now. So actually one of my colleagues here today has both pumps in her bra so she's pumping as she's talking to you so it means that i can be having a board meeting i can be having an interview um and pumping as i go
2: okay i'm a little confused here because my wife's breast pump was not the kind of thing you could use in a board meeting yeah
5: exactly
2: for no other reason than the noise
5: well this is why this is completely silent so you won't be able to hear it so i can literally be talking to you right now and you won't hear any noise
2: Yeah. obviously rechargeable
5: Yes, rechargeable, so uh, we include a USB in, so charge as you go, Um, women tend to pump 5-6 to times a day, each session takes about 15 minutes, um, and gives you 5 ounces, we've also got this bottle, so you can literally um, pump, store, pop it in the fridge, um, so you can store up the bottle so that your husband can take over at other points.
2: So, in addition to making it available like this, you might be able to have some sort of additional revenue model where you sell just the 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 capsules themselves.
5: Yeah. So we're looking at all sorts of options. LV's just come to the market. Um, we've got lots of exciting things happening in the background. Um, but yeah.
2: How much is this?
5: So the single is two seven nine, and the double is four nine nine.
2: So for two of them, it's five hundred bucks.
5: Five hundred bucks which is, to be honest, pretty standard amongst lots of our competitors in the market. Um, And actually, the closest thing to wireless is the same price, but then you have to pay additional for bags and accessories.
2: Now, when my wife was pregnant, gave birth to my daughter, we rented one of these from the hospital. We never paid 500 bucks.
5: Yeah, I mean, we are definitely looking into those kind of options right now, but what we've heard from women is, because this has completely changed their life, it is money that they're happy to spend right now.
2: This is like the iPod...
5: This is the iPhone, iPhone, iPhone moment iPhone. of breast boobs.
1: Alan? Um, okay. I'm more interested in the Kegel exerciser over um, there. So
5: have you heard about this before?
1: Uh, no, I've just uh, been kegling myself without uh, any...
5: As we speak. Kegling with, yourself. With,
1: with, without an app, yes.
5: So this is our first product, it launched in 2015, so I'm not sure if you're aware, but most women do actually suffer with some level of incontinence issues after they have their first child. So, in the UK there wasn't a lot of support for women in this space, so our founder was very passionate about this and she developed this product. Um, so it's connected, it's also connected by an app, so you do put it up you, it's silicon based. And then you can... I'm
2: sorry, back up, did you just say you do put it up you?
5: Yes, yes you do, you put it up your vagina.
2: Okay. All right, so sorry, well, you didn't not put it up mine. your vagina. Not, not mine.
5: It's connect- connected by an app, and you can actually see in real time how you are um, controlling your pelvic floor muscles. And it's actually a space that women need to really look after. Um, women of all ages, both in terms of prevention um, and also straight after having a baby, but also at menopause as well.
2: So, because the app keeps track of the strength of your Kegel contractions, you can gamify it, and over time, yeah. see the improvement.
5: Exactly. So we've had um, basically over five million trainer workouts done uh, globally of people using this because we've got all the data recorded. Um, and yeah, no, it's 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 uh, really exciting.
2: Do you have one for men?
5: We don't have one for men no. just right now, but. You should you should watch this space, because you never know.
2: Las Vegas. We have a special guest in studio. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us. Hi. Surprise guest Suki Dunham has brought with her some very interesting gadgets for the bedroom for 2019. Uh, I... I I was reluctant to make a a tangential connection to that last segment. It is really remarkable though the advances that have been made, whether it be for healthcare or for personal care.
6: Right, right. Yes, I mean, we've, uh, this is our ninth year at CES actually, and um, we wanted people, we make basically intimate, connected products, personal massagers. And uh, we wanted people to feel as comfortable purchasing those products as they do any um, consumer electronic device, and that's why we're here.
2: And what am I looking at here? You're Alan did not want to know anything no, about no, no. this I before we
1: went on. Very curious. <laughs>
2: I
6: just want
1: to be taken through it slowly.
6: So you are looking at our Blue Motion line of products. Blue Motion. Um, this is Blue Motion next one. Um, it's a wearable panty vibe, actually. So this is a vibrator
2: that you put in your
6: panties. That's correct, and it's got
1: a Bluetooth chip in it. Oh, of course it does. Yes. Everything's Bluetooth connected.
2: That's
6: right, and you can connect it to our app and control it remotely. So, Alan, you could be here, and your partner could be in New York, and you could be playing remotely. Anywhere in the
2: world, Now, actually. this, this okay. in and to itself is not new, is it?
6: No, that device isn't new. What's new for us here at CES, what we're kind of um, showing off is uh, an Apple Watch app.
2: It connects to my Apple Watch.
6: Yes, and what's cool about that, too, is we've integrated a functionality called Pulse, which takes your heart rate and will drive the vibrator to your heart rate, so it creates this true heart connection between
2: you and your heart So this heart. is also a pulse monitor? Indirectly this. through the oh, Apple watch. watch, I So, see. so, so you've got me. the Apple Watch, right? And so as your pulse rate goes up, your partner's wow. use of this increases. I That's
6: correct. Right. That's exactly how it
2: works. Okay. okay.
1: Wait. I'm going to ask a question. Yeah. Everything is smart speaker connected. Is yes. this smart? Is this Alexa or Google Assistant powered? It is. What?
6: That's what is what's cool. Yeah, we're uh, doing a sneak peek of that functionality here at CES as well. So you can actually control our Blue Motion line with Alexa.
2: So this is the first time that it is actually okay to call out another woman's name in bed. (laughs) 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 Just providing her name is Alexa. (laughs) Yes. Really? Yes. Now, Alexa, from my experience, is a little hit and miss, a little temperamental in the voice recognition department. I've got enough issues with temperamentality in the bedroom as it is. I don't need someone else yelling at me. <laughs> so, okay.
1: So, give me an Alexa command. Yes.
2: An
6: Alexa command. Yeah. Um, ask Alexa. Er, Alexa, ask my vibrator to go stronger. As opposed to just hitting a button? Well, it's nice when you're with your partner and you're kind of in bed and rolling around that you can just it's hands-free. hands-free. Now, if, you can keep your hands in other places and not uh, worry hands-free. about
2: the button. If Amazon, <laughs> like when I got the Alexa, I got the Alexa because uh, the wake words used to be Alexa, yeah. Echo, or Amazon. And I didn't want to say any of those. I wanted the one that they added, which made me buy it, which was computer. So I could now say computer, lights on, that sort of thing. Right. Um, Are we going to come up with any alternative wait words? Or do we, more importantly, do we need a safe word for this?
6: (laughs) (laughs) Well, right now, uh, like I said, this is in beta. We're actually utilizing Amazon's new uh, developer toolkit for um, a, a... Uh, technology called Gadget, Amazon Gadget. Okay. And what that is allowing people to do is anybody who is developing a Bluetooth device can use uh, uh, this API, this developer toolkit, to create commands for their devices. So uh, a lot of Amazon devices or connected devices have Wi-Fi chips. This is actually allowing you to use a Bluetooth device. Right. And so it's in beta. So uh, what we're showing is, is actually in beta so right sorry, now. So the just go
1: back to how do charge this?
6: Uh, it's USB. USB? Yeah. Portion. Recharge it. And yeah. what's
1: the, the battery life?
2: Oh, the uh, battery life?
6: The life? battery life, it will run for an hour solid oh, without God. having Whoa. to... When,
2: when, when was the recharge. last time, Alan, you needed an hour solid? I was 19. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about Omabot specifically because you kick-started a technology that not a lot of people are familiar with called Teledildonics. And that was the first one was a vibrator that could be controlled by another person over the internet, correct?
6: Yes. Yeah, so um, actually, last year here, we launched this idea of, um, well, We've had our app for a while, which is Teledildonics in and of itself. So you're here, your partner's in New York City, you can control it remotely. Your partner's in Shanghai, you can control it remotely. So that's pretty cool. That's essentially what Teledildonics actually means. Um, Last year we also uh, have a device, it's called Fuse. And the Fuse device actually has sensors in it, and those sensors... As uh, one person is using it, it will drive the other. So it's actually bi-directional control of a vibrator, vibrator remotely.
2: What interested me was how when you made the technology open source for others to develop for it, that it not only kickstarted started but specifically within the cam girl market, yes. which was a huge financial boon to that industry.
1: He knows much
2: I do my research.
1: Okay, continue.
2: Yes. So, for those not familiar, of course, is this allows the viewers of the live adult content to be responsible for triggering the device.
6: That's correct.
2: How does that yes. work?
6: Well, it's funny, you know, Oh My Bod didn't obviously develop our products for that use case, um, yeah. but it's come to that. So our very first product that the cam models decided to use was actually a pretty low tech product called Flood Vibe, in which there's a remote, regular remote control with an RF um, transmitter mm-hmm. and a microphone. And so they would turn on their microphone, this microphone, they would put it next to their Computer, and as they got tipped, the tips would drive the wow, by, okay. therefore creating the interactivity.
1: Right. I just think how far we've come since those personal massagers used to see in the Sears catalog <laughs> for $19.99. Oh, no, no, that's for reaching that hard to get spotted between your shoulder blades. Right. right. Exactly. Right. So, when that industry started to take advantage of your technology,
2: even though you didn't design it for that purpose, how did you react?
6: You know, the more the merrier. The How more did Steve Jobs
1: react when he destroyed the music industry? He didn't care. <laughs> it was a nice product.
6: Well, this actually made for more interactivity, and it actually um, allows the models to, to actually have higher income and revenue right. because they're having they have this interactive experience for their customers. So it's actually benefiting them uh, mm-hmm. in many ways. And uh, and now with our app, then it's like the next step from that club vibe experience so they use blue motion they use our line of blue motions they use a product called esca they use a product called fuse these are all of our app connected products
2: so claudio has uh, messaged us here on facebook live asking are these gadgets going mainstream the porn industry has been advertising for a long time or so a friend told him.
6: <laughs> well yes i mean all our products oh my god are sold actually in shelf in target so target yep yeah. Not our connected vibes, but our. We also have low tech vibes, okay. and those are in Target. So the future is here; it's shelf. just not
2: evenly distributed. You can get the, the lower end on the home <laughs> uh, but not the high end ones yet. Is is that a demographics thing?
6: I think it's whether people are willing to pay um, a Bluetooth product costs one hundred and twenty nine dollars on shelf, right. and the product that we offer at Target is around forty nine dollars.
2: So. What is next? Not just as in you working on Alexa developments and things like that, but when we look out three to five years from now, what does the teledilogonics industry look like to you?
6: I think that there's going to be a lot more of this bi-directional control where you really are... Experiencing, it's, it's as close to remote intercourse or sex or intimacy that you could possibly have. Like I said, last year when we launched our Fuse product, I think that was the first step into that. So this Fuse product actually connects with a, uh, a product that was co-developed by a Dutch company called Kiru. And, uh, Kiru also did a product with Fleshlight, if you're familiar yes. with that brand. So Kiru developed a a product in which you can make a fleshlight interactive. So if um, a female or somebody with female anatomy has a vibrator and she's using it, it will drive the stroker accordingly. So if she's moving it very fast, the stroker will move very fast. And so that, I feel, is like this first step into really connected... Intimacy, like true connected intimacy.
2: How big, dollars wise, is this business?
6: The uh, vibrator business in general, it's kind of uh, difficult to tell because so many companies are private. But um, what we we've, we've heard seen is about fifteen billion. 15, so how much billion, billion with a B, with a B. Yeah, it's actually small, to be honest with you. As an industry,
2: it's not the size of the industry. Um, Sorry, Um, don't mind me. So, if if fifteen billion, yes, at this point, yes. So, where does it go in the next five years? Can you graph that and Uh, go? It's going to be a two hundred billion dollar year business. The
6: tagger for it for the industry right now is, I believe, for the next five years, is seven point six percent.
2: Seven point six percent compound annual growth rate. That's correct. Yeah. Pretty respectable growth, right? Yeah,
6: yeah. I mean, I think it's all, everything is also tied, obviously, to social influences. Right. Um, we started this business 12 years ago, and I can't tell you how different it is. Being here at CES, the first time to being here now, uh, two years ago, we won Best of CES in Digital Health and Fitness for a mm-hmm. smart Kegel exerciser. And it wasn't so much about winning that award for god but being recognized as sexual health being right. like a legitimate segment in the consumer electronics market. So, you know, as things change and people see us as another consumer electronics product, I think that number is going to grow immensely.
2: Suki, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a fascinating right. education.
6: Thanks for having
2: me. Appreciate I it. can't you wait all. to see you.
6: On. I have some goodies for you both as well.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. Something for us to yes. bring home. Yes. yeah. I can't wait
1: to see the reaction when I bring this home.
2: Well, I think both of our wives are watching the live stream right now, so we might have some answers to that quite soon. Again, thank you so much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you, guys. Azuki Dominant of Uh And of course, we'll uh, post that uh, for you as well so you got a good sense of it. Uh, two So that's all coming
0: up Ever wanted to be A big shot co-producer It's just like Hollywood Visit geeksandbeats.com To learn how you can Pad your resume With an exciting show credit We'll even send you The album cover Of your episode Suitable for framing In your parents' basement
2: Geeks and Beats, live from the floor of the Las Vegas Convention Center for CES 2019, continued on Tuesday on Facebook Live. We had a bit of a dropout, but when we came back, we had told you about our trip away from the convention center, just off the strip, to what was essentially the apple store of weed. Cannabis is legal in Nevada, and we got a taste, or more accurately, a scent of what it's like to run one of these operations.
7: Uh, right now we're at the clone room at our 3400 Las Vegas location. Uh, we have about 5,000 clones here, five to 8,000 clones at any given time. You say clones. What do you mean by that? So what we do is we take our moms and we cut about 100 to 200 clones off of each mom, put them in the right environment, and about 10 to 14 days later we get roots. So a genetic clone. I, I noticed the doors are labeled mom and pod and things like that. Yeah. So we got, uh, everything's, every room has a designated purpose. Um, we do share some rooms just because of the phase that they're in, but, uh, our cultivation team likes to have a good time, make their, make their job a little bit more interesting.
1: Now, one of the things that we've never seen up until the legalization boom came through is industrial level cultivation of marijuana plants. Uh, how difficult is it to create crops with um, constant, consistent uh, levels of THC and CBD?
7: Uh, it's It all goes into the build-up, uh, the build-out of the facility that you're in. If you're able to design and build the facility that's going to allow you to control your irrigation systems, your environmentals, your lighting, uh, and you have strains that are relatively stable, it's pretty easy to do. Um, Being in the desert, you would think that it presents a whole lot of challenges. Uh, We've come through a lot of hardships in our time here, but we've able to produce a pretty consistent product that our customers love. What is the biggest hurdle you've had to overcome? Uh, Environmentals. Uh, The building, we didn't build this from the ground up, so we've had to take a shell and make it our own. Uh, We've had our had our own internal hardships just from outside weather leaching in sort of thing or just the humidity impacting the rooms uh, or not having enough cool air. The lights in our flowering roo- flower rooms do generate a lot of heat, so we want to make sure that rooms don't get too hot. So what are we looking at in this room today? This, uh, as far as our clone room goes, uh, this is the start. This is where everything starts for the company. Uh, in about 10 to 14 days, these guys get transferred over into our veg rooms, uh, and from there they could just progress along the, fa- uh, the phases of the growing cycle. So this is our first step in our operational planning where we have moms, we know what moms are available, we know how many cuts are going to be yielded off of that and which rooms we have coming to be filled, and we plan accordingly from there. All right, so then let's advance 14 days and show us what's next. All right, so we'll, uh, we'll head out this room then. So we are now where? Uh, we are now in the bedroom. So this is the second phase in our growing process. Uh, after the clones are given roots, our transpla- or grow roots, excuse me, uh, they get transplanted into a different media, and this whole room is only designed to allow them to grow and to uh, create more nodes and be ready to be transplanted into our flowering rooms. What do you mean by different media? Uh, so we went from a like a standard grodan uh, cube to a compost blend.
1: Right. So So this is more of a soil.
7: More of a soil, yeah. Right. So by media, I mean soil. Um, Grodan is technically a media. Uh, It's just... It's just a nutrient nutrient thing. Exactly.
1: So when... How many times do you retransplant these... Or how many times do you transplant these pots?
7: Twice. Twice, okay. Yeah, so they go from these... Uh, four inch pots here into eight inch pots uh, once we are in our flowering rooms. And how long does
1: it take for a crop to go from a clone, like we saw in the other room, to a fully grown plant?
7: For our process here we're generally generally looking around a month. Um, that's just for us to get the size that we want and also allow the plant to be topped multiple times to get more shoots uh, and more bud once it gets transplanted into our, our flowering rooms. So, so that process gives you more bud, you say. So so the more effort you put into it, the more reward you get. Exactly. Uh, you can have a very unhealthy mom that you cut clones off of. Uh, those clones are going to get transplanted into veg. Those veg plants are going to get transplanted into flower. And those negative characteristics or those traits are just going to carry all the way through. So you want to, this is a great opportunity for us to find the best looking plants to get transplanted into our flowering rooms. That's going to give us the most amount of yield. You you say best looking.
2: So this is at this point a visual thing.
7: Uh, It is visual. I mean, a lot of the nutrient deficiencies or a lot of the issues that you see with plants, uh, I mean, are very much visual. Uh, So it gives us a a chance to identify those plants specifically that are having issues and either cull them all together or uh, try and rehab them and put them in another room later down the production line. These look
1: wonderful green. Everything nicely consistent, mm-hmm. nice and even. But then you have a couple of plants here with a couple of yellow spots on them.
7: It may not be getting the right nutrients uh, or it just may have been stunted from the get-go. So something that's going to look as unhealthy as this may not make it towards our flowering cycle. Uh, one thing to note is there is a, a significant time difference between the plants here and there, uh, so it very well could snap out of it in the next couple of weeks. So you're, you're a, a horticulturalist at, to a degree. To a uh, large degree! To a, a small degree, I've been fortunate to l- enough to learn from the people before me, and I chalk a lot of where I am to them. Uh, but... Yeah, I, I'm starting to grow into it. So, at what point are we talking about
2: genetics and genomes? Because you've got hybrid plants as well.
7: Yeah, um, just about everything nowadays is some sort of hybrid. You could have indica, sativa, indica leaning, uh, sativa leaning hybrids. Uh, we, it, or in, at least in Las Vegas, we see a lot of people coming in looking for sativa dominant strains. Uh, and that's something that we've had to continually fight uphill to provide. Uh, it seems like once they're on the shelf, they're gone like that. Uh, as I understand
2: it, sativa, that's for sort of a, an energetic high, and indica is more for
7: something, as they call it, couch lock. Yeah, you think of it, indica in the couch, sativa is just more of that euphoric, uplifting, uh, social high uh, that people come to Vegas cool. to experience. Yes, of course. Yeah. Sense. Uh, and They don't want to be in their hotel room <laughs> sleeping, they want to be out on the strip doing things. Uh, and we do our best to cater to those people. The thing is, is that
2: I suppose for some people who aren't familiar with this world, they think that what you're smoking are the leaves, but you're not. No. And at this point, it doesn't look like any of this is ready to go on a shelf.
7: Right. Uh, everything here is in a vegetative state. Uh, there's nothing that is smokable. You could smoke the leaf, it's going to give you a gnarly headache, and it's not going to get you high. At this point, we're looking at hemp. Uh, I wouldn't say hemp. It's It's just a cannabis plant that hasn't gone through its
2: flowering cycle. And at what point do we hit the flowering cycle, the cycle that ultimately gives us what people are looking for?
7: Uh, once these plants are moved into a alternating 12 hours of light, 12 hours of darkness, that's where you start to see the uh, circadian cycle take place. Tell me about that though. Why are we cycling 12
2: hours on, 12 hours off with the light?
1: Have you been outside? Yeah. <laughs> well,
2: aside from the fact that light is what gives us the ability to grow, tell me about why it's 12 on, 12 off. Why not 6 on, 6 off?
7: Uh, it's the biological clock of the plant. Uh, it's essentially telling the plant that the seasons are changing and that it needs to reproduce. So the only thing that we're keeping that from doing is the presence of pollen or the male the male presence of cannabis. Um, so everything in here is, a, is female. Uh, that's going to leave you with a bud rather than a bud that's completely seeded out uh, and less enjoyable for the consumers and patients. All right, so you can show us what's next? Oh, yeah. We're off to the flowering rooms.
2: So this is obviously the room everybody wants to see.
7: Oh, yeah. So this is one of our 21 flowering rooms. Uh, this is where you actually start to see the characteristics of every genetic that we have in our locker. Um, we're about two... Yeah, about two weeks away from harvest and probably another month or so away from this room hitting the shelves.
1: Okay, now, you don't want anybody to touch these plants with our ungloved hands. Why?
7: Uh, Nevada has very strict testing regulations. It is 100% in the patient's and consumer's benefit. Uh, it is going to prevent us from any sort of cross-contamination and al- allow us to provide a clean, uh, consistent product that everyone is looking for.
2: Right. You wouldn't go into a
7: restaurant and start rifling through the tomatoes. Exactly. Yeah, you don't want to see the the worker coming out of the bathroom, touching the product (laughs) that you're going to be uh, smoking or enjoying later down the line. Got it. How old are these plants? We're about seven weeks in. Okay. Yep. So how long are they going to be in here? Another two weeks. So the standard flowering cycle is about 63 days, nine weeks. Uh, We generally group like strains together, whether from nutrient, uh... Nutrient uptake to flowering cycle um, to indica sativa. So, when you look at a plant, can you tell what strain it is just by looking at it? From the vegetative stage, no. From this stage, yes. And I know that that's s'mores. I know that's the potion. Uh, yeah. I mean, we can around week five, four to five, we can generally tell. Uh, blindfolded, which rooms have which plants. And
1: how many varieties do you grow?
7: Uh, we currently have about 80 different genetics in constant rotation and about another 100 or so in our locker, 100 to 150. Now you can tell blindfolded, going into
2: a room, what's in that room. I imagine a lot, a lot of that has to do with the terpenes
7: that are in
2: any given cannabis plant.
7: Yeah, some of them are uh, harder to tell than others. Uh, but we have a, a lot of signature strains here, like our forbidden fruit, Tropicana cookies, uh, s'mores even being one of them, uh, cherry cobbler that are, have a very distinct pr- terpene profile.
2: So explain for those of us who aren't familiar with terpenes, because a, a, a tomato will have a, a dozen or so, but a
7: cannabis plant will have, what, a hundred or so? Uh, cannabis, yeah, I mean, we over a hundred. Uh, and what is a terpene? Terpene is just a... smell. I mean, everything has terpenes in it. Uh, Cannabis terpenes generally give you more of a healthy effect or a holistic effect, whereas THC is more of the psychoactive. Uh, So you start to see people not only looking at THC potency, but also looking at terpene profiles to pair their illnesses to what they are. And okay.
2: so if you're looking for something that gives you sort of a, a fruity taste in your mouth, you're going to have certain terpenes you're looking for in any given strain, that yes. sort of thing.
7: Absolutely. There's, there's definitely strains. You could tell right off the get-go uh, just from s- smelling a bud pod if you're going to enjoy it or not. Those really deep, earthy smells are going to be the ones that generally put you in the couch sort of thing.
2: So when we look at this single plant,
7: when we look at the single plant here how much marijuana are you getting off that plant uh per plant i mean i could break it down from there what we generally do about two pounds per light that's the two to two point two two to 2.2 pounds per light Uh, that's the metric that we use to gauge the proficiency and efficiency of all of our rooms Uh, so each table just i would call it four and a half pounds of finished product to be delivered to the customer and patients
3: Las Vegas.
1: So what'd you think? That was quite the place. Um, I don't know if you got it in there, but six to eight hundred pounds what was it, a month? A month. A month. And that one facility, which is behind the store, uh, supplies a couple of other stores as well. So it's, it's just interesting how this is all happening so quickly. What also I found fascinating is that even though all this stuff is legal in Canada, we can't bring it across the border. No. In fact, in the United States, you can't even take it across state lines. So if you're in Nevada, you can't take this stuff into California and vice versa because, you know, we have that federal law in the, in the U.S., which makes that difficult. impossible. Right.
2: So we've got part two to this where we went into the Apple store of weed dispensaries to talk about the nature of the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, to talk about why they opted to go with an apple store like feel versus something else talk about the educational component to it as well what uh, different types of consumables whether it be as they call it bud or flower uh your uh oils Mm -hmm. or your edibles there's a, a, a huge disparity in
1: how you gauge how much you're getting when you put something into your body like this right And this isn't a headshot. I mean, there is not a bong to be found anywhere. This is like going into a liquor store and purchasing, you know, uh, a particular brand of vodka that you want. So we've got a flight to catch. So we're going to be leaving
2: soon. So we're going to save that segment to next week's show. We also promised you that we would uh, talk about uh, Stern Pinball's 21st century uh, reboot using the the Beatles as Mm -hmm. their thing. We want to save that for uh, next week as well. So we'll do that. And we want to show you a Japanese-based space probe
1: that is about to land on the moon. Yes. It's not just China these days. No. This is a privately funded uh, Japanese exploratory commercial mission to the moon. Yeah. So um, that'll be
2: coming up. But before we let you go, we promised you that we would go back to the full debate robotic laundry folding machine company after last year it was obvious that their demo was faked and they promised us that they would have a fully functional prototype this year so we went to check it out. Debbie you're back I'm back and you promised me after showing us what I thought was you faking a demo you insisted it was a prototype but you would have the fully functional Foldmate this year in 2019. Does it fold?
3: Okay, so first of all it was a mock-up last time, a fully interactive mock-up, and this time it's the first time we've bought a fully functional prototype to CES.
2: So this actually will fold this shirt?
3: It will, yes.
2: Okay, prove it.
3: I will prove it. And last year you asked about the little men inside, you Yes, you, you took the
2: little man out from inside who no, folded it, no and no now there's actually... Inside. No little man. Okay, no go. Little
3: okay, So you, it's really, really easy. You just clip it in like that, And we updated the technology, Um, it's really simple, as you can see, and it automatically adapts to the item type and the item size.
2: And then down here at the bottom, you have that, and now it just disappeared, disappeared. but you can hit the eject pile button. Yeah,
3: it disappeared because it's actually waiting for more, it's waiting for more items and that's just that one item for it. Obviously you can keep holding more.
2: I particularly like the little sound effect when it comes Uh, out.
3: I chose that. Did you really? Okay, so this will fold how many shirts in how long a time? Okay, so it will fold a whole laundry load, which is about 25 items, in less than five minutes.
2: Less than five minutes. Alan Cross suggests you're going to put a lot of Gap employees out of work.
3: So this version is actually a consumer version. However, we have had a lot of interest from laundromat owners, and we are now planning on making a commercial version, and we would like to supply that on a robot-as-a-service basis to the laundromats, which means that even if you don't have a Foldimate at home, you will enjoy using the FoldyMate in your local laundromat.
1: Wait, wait. Hey, hang on. Alan's got a question. I have a question. Okay, this was a T-shirt. Show me a collared shirt. Okay, so this is a
2: collared shirt. Collared you've, shirt. You've, you've buttoned it up, I've noticed.
3: I, I, but we button up every other button, otherwise it won't uh, lay nicely. Okay. Okay. And <clears throat> you just like that. We just eject it. You keep just doing one instead of a whole pile. Oh. Okay. Oh. It
2: wasn't. It wasn't finished. Yeah,
3: no, it's uh, it's pressing it. It gives a little press.
2: Oh! It just
3: likes to. It needs.
2: Well, there you go, high. man. All right. Not all right. that you own any collared shirts.
1: I do. I do. I do. Now this is only for shirts. This is do like pants or.
3: So it does all these things here. You can see all of these things here. It so it'll do, do pants it and he, do collared he, shirts. it does pants. it does towels. Yes. you see there's two clips there the top clip is for is for the pants and for the towels Mm -hmm. and the outer clips are for the shirts yes
2: now the last time we had a conversation i asked a very important question about whether or not this thing was capable of doing all sorts of other things like well quite frankly ladies unmentionables and fitted sheets
3: so no we still can't do those things the the whole idea here was to try and fold uh, the majority of the laundry that comes out of your comes out of your washing every week.
2: Okay. okay, so how much is Alan gonna have to pay to fold his rock and roll t-shirts? How much?
3: Okay. So the target price is still a thousand dollars. However, it is not final. Uh, we're still working on it. We have a long and costly manufacturing process ahead of us. And, and it's then- a
2: lot of gear for a thousand bucks.
3: Um, I agree with you. Yes, that's exactly why it's difficult for us to keep the price that low. We we are working on it.
2: And when we spoke last, you suggested that I might be able to walk into a Home Depot and pick this up in 2020. Is that still the plan?
3: It's still the plan, yes. But like I said, it's it's not final yet. We're working really hard on it, but it's not final.
2: To Alan's point, I don't know why you bother going consumer. Why not just go commercial?
3: So um, I mentioned before um, that the laundromat owners yeah. are interested in it. So we're we planning on both. We would like to go commercial now. In actual fact, we're opening also a Series A round as well. Now if anybody's interested in uh, in investing in us. for
2: um, All right, looking for Series A investing, Alan. How much cash you got on you? Um, I have about $65. Okay, not that's
3: enough. obviously not, not enough. enough. What are you not looking enough. for? Um, we're looking so, for... Some, some pretty big bucks. Yeah, some pretty big bucks. Yeah,
2: and you've gotten some pretty interesting nibbles so
3: far? Yes, we have. Yes, oh. yes.
2: Okay, so what did you do with the little man who was in the box last time?
3: Um, it wasn't there. I kept telling you he wasn't there.
2: He's unemployed now, isn't he? Come on, admit <laughs> it. Las Vegas.
1: All right. So in fact, the robot does fold laundry. It does. Um, it doesn't do sheets, no. but when it does sheets, I'm buying one. Yeah, they want to only sell them for a thousand bucks. I'm convinced
2: it's going to be a lot more than that. Oh, I think so too. Yeah, yeah because you wow, it just looks too complicated for a thousand dollars. So you are no longer a CES virgin. I am. Yes, thank you. Uh, maybe the next stop for us is uh, South by Southwest. South by Southwest, perhaps? Yeah. That might not be a bad
1: idea. What did you think of the Consumer Electronics uh, You show? know what? This is so stupidly big. People have, have said to me, you have no idea how big CES is, or whatever. No. It is overwhelmingly huge. I get queasy. It's like the biggest electronics buffet that you can possibly imagine. There is so much going on here. So much to see. I get I just get overwhelmed. I really do. And there'll be a ton of stuff as well. We'll continue over the course of the week here at
2: geeksandbeats.com to publish new content. And as we mentioned earlier, we've got a ton more interviews uh, that we didn't have time for for this week's show that we'll save for next week as well. So please share this with your friends, family, tell the whole bunch. You just had a hippopotamus for lunch. Uh, And uh, check out our Instagram feed as well because we've got some stuff we'll be putting on that. Yes. All right. So uh, we've got a bunch of people we want to thank for joining us uh, indirectly over the course of the life of the show, over the last six years, all the interns, and of course, some of the people who helped uh, pay our way this year. Yeah. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, hope to have you with us next time. We'll see you for CES 2020.
0: Catch all new episodes of Geeks and Beats Wednesdays on iTunes and watch for Geeks and Beats magazine on a newsstand near you. To be part of next week's show, call area code 323-319-NERD. Follow the stories on Twitter, Facebook, and get your dose of Geeks and Beats anytime at geeksandbeats.com. The Geeks and Beats podcast would like to thank the National Science Foundation.